everybody, and welcome to the Rescreeningcom podcast. I'm your host, Rescreeningcom's own Mark Eastman, and with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And this week, uh, God, it's been a crazy couple I feel of like weeks. There should be a drum roll because I uh, they really, they really this. should. Uh, there should be something. There should be sound effects. Uh, yeah. We got to get one of those, you know, things. That, yeah, yeah, we that would be cool. It's just hit some duck noises and, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. wrong. That's great. Uh, anyway, so Ghostbusters um, and Star Trek Beyond this week. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's really been a weird summer. Uh, I feel like I'm just going to start stop saying summer. There's no summer. Uh, I'm not going to talk um, about summer yeah. anymore at all. But anyway, uh, it, it has really been an odd, and we've talked about this in uh, previous shows. It's been an odd kind of progression of how stuff's going, yeah. right? And, uh you know, weird release schedule a little bit, and uh, we've got Jason Bourne coming up and stuff. But yeah, um, you know, the big big releases just don't want to be right now anymore, ex- unless you count Ghostbusters and yeah. Star Trek Beyond yeah. as being those things, right? Which it's it's hard to do, but I guess they're they're what we're calling the big thing, right? But it's just weird when you have like all it, these giant Avengers yeah. and uh, the huge, huge things that really do rake in the tons of cash, yeah. right? And they kind of avoid right now, right? You know, people are busy. They really front load the summer, <laughs> they, and I wonder they, if they, they do. And, it, and I wonder if awesome. they don't start front loading the summer because the instant gratification of the box office. Like if you wait until but it August, ne- but it never stays still. Either. I know, I know. But if you're if you're really thinking like one of the last holdouts that I'm curious about, and we've said this before, is Suicide Squad, and that shows up. I think it's the first week of August. Right. That's going you to know, be that's huge. pretty late. That's pretty late in a calendar that is dictated by stuff like, you know, superhero films in May, you know, or April, right. you know, so wait until August says a couple of different things that might be conflicting. But I guess if you're a studio head and you're some, you know, suit, and you're waiting to see how great your film did, you might want to release it in May to see that by June, you guys have already made your bread and butter. Hopefully. Right, right. You know, I guess that makes some sense, but it's just, it's not the way it used to be. And not no. in a, not in a we're old men on our porch, you know, get off my lawn. I mean, just a couple of years ago, it wasn't that way. Right. It's just in the last handful of years, it's seemingly been really weird. But yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it's an odd thing. Plus, um, you know, there's some weird collusion, it seems like. And yet you hear them talking as though they're angry at each other. Right. Sometimes, you know, right. like this got released on this date. And now, oh, yeah, that uh, was our that was our weekend. Yeah. And anyway. And then we'll get Star you Trek found out Ghostbusters was coming out the week before and they threw like a huge party. <laughs> yeah, right. but, like, let's double that. Uh, anyway. And then uh, in the news, before we get to those, um, you know, the, the Olympics are coming up. Uh, it's been a, a couple of weeks and, and it's been kind of crazy, but uh, it's all Comic-Con. Yeah, obviously, and and no one cares anyway because they're outside catching Pokemon, so they're not looking at the news anyway. That that's gone insane. But just yesterday, uh, Comic Con kind of broke the internet. I mean, in one day, Comic Con uh, blew up everything because everything released trailers. Yeah, all at once. Uh, Kong Skull Island released a trailer. Wonder Woman released a trailer. uh, Justice League released a trailer. And they're actually all pretty good. They're not bad. So yeah, they're not bad. So that's helpful. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, that is helpful. And then Allison Brie, I think, right, is uh, Captain Marvel. Yep. 
So just like Which everything is all the speculation about everything is going bonkers yeah. on uh, news coming out of Comic Con and, yeah. and all that stuff, which uh, you'd expect. I would expect, but I love Comic Con. <laughs> but still, it's um, yeah, it's huge. And then the Olympics are right around the corner. So then theoretically, people are going to pay attention I, to the Olympics. The Olympics are so weird. Not just just as a quick, you know, twenty second thing. I I usually like watching the Olympics if I start watching them. Like I never put it in my mind, like oh the Olympics are this year. Let's let's block off two weeks. You don't. But if <laughs> you I don't start set watching it in it, your schedule. No, if I start watching it, I often will just get into it. Like it's right. a habitual cyclical kind of thing. But I feel like so many people are just going to watch this year to see if they can see someone get the Zika, like <laughs> or, who dies from drinking right. the water, see like somebody it just get hurt. So right. weird, you know. Yeah. It seems more like a NASCAR event where everyone wants to see a crash than a celebration <laughs> they care, of the country. They care who yeah. wins. So. It's weird. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how the coverage goes. Yeah. Um, how the because especially you know with summer, I mean summer or winter, there's ten thousand things, but summer, sure. you know, there's there's just a, there's a billion events, right? For your stuff, yeah. And the last Olympics coverage, I was not impressed. Uh, the, the last Olympics coverage that happened, it was like you'd see, uh, you'd look in your guide on your TV and see Olympics coverage all over the place, right? right. So you'd record it and put it on your DVR. Yeah. Right. And, and they'd have all these different blocks and you're just watching the same thing. Like yeah. they're, they're just rerunning the all same the time. Yeah. thing that happened before. I'm like, what, there is somebody doing some curling right. that I could be watching yeah. or whatever. And, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> with the summer Olympics, you know, the summer Olympics actually are usually better historically. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a lot more coverage and, and they try to get to things, but if I don't, get to see something yeah uh, because there are events i don't even know what they are in right. the summer olympics right if i don't get to see something because i have to watch the same thing 50 times right right You're done right or uh you know the thing that killed me in the winter olympics too is you'd watch like hours and hours and hours of interviews oh yeah would, right would be their coverage and i'm like dude show me some olympics <laughs> i want to see a skier flying through anyway there. uh <laughs> yeah so now that we've babbled enough about the olympics um Another reason this is a weird time, especially for us, is because it, it's like our personal death year, right? It's going into this summer. And I suppose no one agrees with this, and that's why they uh, don't listen to us anymore. But the, <laughs> you know, the last few weeks, we had, uh, we had our, our wedding movie. Before, right. before we had, had our wedding Mike movie, we had Independence Day. Independence Day, uh, we tore apart and uh, basically called the new worst movie ever. It was all zeros. Right? Uh, yeah. And then we had the wedding dates movie, right. which was not a zero, but no, we but were not bad. at we all not happy, happy with, right? right? That right. it was horrible. Yeah. So, and that leads us into uh, Ghostbusters and Star Trek Beyond. Right. And, and at, at some point it has to end, doesn't it? I, like, I hope so. <laughs> Jay, you know, in longtime listeners will know. And I, and I didn't hate uh, Star Trek Beyond in in any way, like a you know like like, like it prior like it's now in my bias. top five most hated movies ever. Right, I, I, right, I didn't hate right. it like that, but uh, but I didn't love it. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm really trying to figure out when a movie that I really like is gonna hit. Hopefully, it'll be and I'm hoping hopefully it's born. I'm hoping it's born. You know, and I'm hoping that at the very least. Even if I don't like it, at the very least, Suicide Squad is like a lot of fun. Yeah. Even if it ends up 
being like say a four you or five, through, you sat right? through a bad meal, but you had a great dessert. Sure, like, let's right. just get out of the summer with a little bit of fun. Right. So, uh, so, so now we don't even need to review these movies. Now, uh, so let so Ghostbusters. Um, right. Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen, Wiig. Kristen Wiig, and uh, two people that you don't know their names. Kate uh, McKinnon. Uh, not not you. Jones. I don't oh, mean okay. you Most personally. People, right? I they mean, recognize the people listening SNL. have uh, seen them around, but uh, they do now. I thought you were challenging me. I'm no. Like, I know. Because, uh, you know, they keep coming up on the internet oh, flaming right. stuff, yeah. and so now everybody knows their name. Right. But, That's true. But, uh, it, you know, uh, obviously a completely bizarre movie just in what the studio and the people involved with it have had to do to try to do something right. with the Internet hatred that's been going on for at least a year, but pretty, yeah. pretty seriously since the beginning of the year. Right. Um, nobody wants a female Ghostbusters and uh, on and on. And, and uh, people are trying to have the response that mm-hmm. those people just don't like women well there was there was i mean i know i think you know this but i mean i'm sure you know this but the audience might to give it a quick recap you know when the first trailer went online it was and still is the most negatively reviewed or you know thumbs down on youtube whatever it's the most negatively viewed trailer in the history of youtube which should actually say something it's not hyperbole um but one of the things that was really interesting is the reaction that sony had to that which is they went in and started to remove comments from the youtube uh, official page and in doing that they were kind of incensing people because they didn't they didn't want to get rid of just you know comments that said this film sucks though they probably still got rid of those but they took away some that had some genuine criticism and in doing so if you believe the narrative, they they figured out that there was an overwhelming amount because it's the internet of misogyny. Right. People were just blasting the film for having dared, you know, not only just remake a, a great and beloved classic film, but cast four women. How dare you put women, you know, right. where Bill Murray stood, you right. know? So a lot of misogynistic stuff. And someone made a really interesting decision at Sony to leave that stuff up and see if they couldn't leverage what was being criticized into something that was a no lose situation. Because if you right. can, if you can uh-huh. make it so like, Oh, look, everyone's picking on us, then you absolutely get a defensible position. Right. And that, and then they try to spin it so that, and, uh, right. It, if you don't like the movie, we're not going to pay attention to you anyway. Right. So because... here's, here's the danger that two white dudes in our comfy studio <laughs> with all of our privilege, if we give a negative review about Ghostbusters, it's because we hate women. Right. That's, you know, it's because we're not giving them a fair share. But that, that's what Sony the, has already said. They've already said it and all their <laughs> proponents and they wisely let a few link, uh, you know, leaks out to what was happening to places like Jezebel and places where there's a, a strong proponent of feminism. Right, right. Even, even not only the specialty sites, they came out in defense. And then you've got people who are arguing in all caps, by the way, so you know it's serious. Right. That they're not a misogynist. They just know shit when they see it. Right. And, but no, you don't because you're not looking, you know. So there's a big, there's a big hullabaloo about the whole thing. It, it, to try, it credit, tried, it tried yeah. uh, to get, uh, Sony tried to basically build a giant PC shield exactly. around the movie before this is long before I mean, the movie came out ago, right? right this was like january and february and, and right. i mean uh, ages ago so there there's at least at least by leveraging what they and let's not 
let's whoops, let's not uh, kid ourselves. Sony knew what movie they had because they've seen it, right? And they could test it and they could show it to people. And once you get the yes men or the yes women out of the way, then you get a sense of what you've got. It's kind of ingenious what they did, it, though terribly duplicitous. Like it's absolutely right. crooked the way that they leverage things. But for a long time, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that I think the timing was off on it too. It is it is kind of a, a genius thing to do. And if you know you're a business at the end of the day, sure, right. you got to come up with something, yeah. right? So you're right. like, well, what other option do we have? It is kind of a genius thing to do, and it's similar to uh, the thing that started going on. This is kind of a long time ago, but like when Precious yeah, right. came out, I remember. Yeah. There, there was a certain time where all of a sudden it was, uh, it just, they kind of preemptively struck. Yeah. And people started, ahead of it. people started, uh, who, who had seen the movie, yeah. uh, started saying stuff like, well, I can only see one reason someone wouldn't like this movie. Right. You have to be a racist or <laughs> right. a misogynist. Or so be, so yeah. they like, they kind of had the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, people by and large really like that movie. Precious anyway, was overwhelmingly, so it, it ended up right. kind of not mattering, I guess, right. or it worked perfectly. Who knows? Whatever. You'll like no, know. no one, know, no right? one would dare to say anything <laughs> right. bad about it at right. that point or whatever. But I think Sony, I think they actually just, maybe they felt forced into it, mm-hmm. right? Because of what was happening on the internet, but that kind of the timing was off. They were too early. Yeah. There was too much time to get like the backlash to the backlash right. to the, you know, and whatever. It's like, the, so they the must've t- known it was the timing yeah. like went so much that there was time for people to kind of be over their response right. and not pay attention to it anymore. And then like the shield just kind of dissipates. Yeah. And then you're just kind of left back where you were by the time the movie comes out. Right. Anyway. So there's a small hint of, you us know, not wanting to actually well, talk about of, the it's movie. It's kind of interesting because <laughs> there's more to be said about the movie than the movie. You know, there's all these things going around. And now what's interesting is there are some early viewers of the film who I, I'm paraphrasing greatly where they just said, look, I didn't enjoy this movie. And here's a bunch of reasons why just wait you'll see and now i think that they're feeling a little vindicated perhaps but right now you're in that you know could it have been or could it never have been because there's like a you're damned if you do damned if you don't right. like it's positioned itself it, still so it is you, it, it's more interesting really as a social experiment yeah to try to figure out who is rating the movie on a pure basis right. and right. not because <laughs> Not because they think people are feminists, not because they're pissed that Sony yeah. tries to you right. know attack everyone who's feminist, not because uh, even the director came out and said said yeah. that on Twitter at one point right. and just said if you don't like it, it's because right. you're a misogynist. Right. And Melissa McCarthy said a bunch of stuff. Anyone who's hating on the film, right. you know, is just they don't have any friends. Go get some. Right, you know? right. That's right. She said. And I just I remember being insulted by that, thinking like I wasn't a fan of the trailer but i will do my due diligence even though sometimes i don't have to step in excrement to know that that's crap up ahead like i okay you're right i should review but the it's movie. your job but <laughs> so i should review the movie instead of just uh, the trailer. yeah that's okay <clears throat> and also in in fairness whether you like the idea of women ghostbusters sure. or, or care at all or yeah. hate it or whatever the trailer is really just kind of independently bad. It is. It's so, not. 
I, I remember when we were getting ready to see it, I remember saying we were talking about it and I just said, wouldn't, you know, it would be really amazing if the film is great and they just accidentally put out the worst trailer. Right, right. Not on purpose. Just somebody thought that was a just good some, combination. Somebody thought this was the way work. to go. Right. And then you watch that film. And if we had walked out and been like, that was like a seven or eight, but that trailer made it look like a two. Right. Holy crap. That's amazing. Right. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but it is, it is kind of interesting, you know, when you study this movie in film school, it will, right. it will just be because of marketing, yes. marketing, how right. to, how it, to, it, how it to will, do stuff. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so Ghostbusters, uh, I, I am really squarely at zero. Zero. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. Uh, we said, and I, it's because I, you I said, it, right. Right. I said before the movie was even completely over. Right. <laughs> I think, um, I I would watch Independence Day again, <laughs> which but nobody before, before I watch this that's again. That's like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and yeah. we gave that hard zeros, like real, yeah. real bad. Like I can't believe we finally saw something worse that, than Resident Evil. That was, you know, the question of what is my least favorite movie ever is yeah. tricky, right? Right. Um, but that had easily taken over the position of the movie that I least wanted to watch again ever again. Yeah. Because I was watching independence day. And I think I talked about this when we, when we did the show on that movie, we were, we were watching that and I was like, you know, I'd watch resident evil. Yeah. <laughs> sure. If those were my only options. And I don't know if it's been because it's so long. Maybe it's just because it's long enough off. ago. Yeah. But I'll, I'll do that. And yeah. maybe that's it. But I don't have that same excuse with this movie. Yeah. I can't say I don't remember Independence Day enough because I remember it well. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I would definitely watch Independence Day before I ever watch this again. Right. This was uh, the most not only was it just bad, but it was just like infuriatingly bad. Yeah. It was so, if I can't imagine uh, having any investment in this movie at all, um, a person, a person somewhere behind the scenes, any kind of investment in this movie at all. And watching like the dailies or, right. you know, watching some of the parts put together in littler clumps or something as stuff is coming together and not just wanting to kill somebody (laughs) (laughs) to wreak mass havoc. And, you know, uh, you gave it eight. I can't believe that we can't give negative numbers because I would. And, and what's funny is when the film ended, you, you said what was on my mind. You just said it before I could. You were even better. You're like, well, so it's only negative one now. And I thought, negative one? Put a zero behind that. This thing right. is off the charts bad. I'm at zero. That, that was when the trailers came up. And, yeah. I, and I said, I actually right. like the trailers. <laughs> I like the right. part of the trailers. I, I said, so now it's only negative one. I, right. I think, you know, there's, there's no more emphatic a zero that I can give to it. And again, the movie you, is you bad. like women. The, I love women. <laughs> I love women. And and to our credit, should anyone, though I think you know all five listeners would be easily discovering this, go back and see some of the films that are women based. We we didn't rip them apart for that. We you did if Julia Roberts was in them because right. you're a big fan. But see that's but, that's not because I don't like women. That's because don't I don't like, like her. Right. right. No, I know. Um, the movie is bad for so many reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with women that the easiest thing to say to somebody is that if you had put 
you want to pick Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson, you want to put them in this script and have them not ad lib, but read what is on the page. This film sucks so bad. Right. It has nothing to do inherently with it being with women because the jokes aren't just like tampon humor or, you know, it's not that bad. It's bad all around. It's bad in every way. And it's bad in every way that maybe the easiest thing to say is pick, pick four of your favorite male stars and put them in this movie. And it still sucks so badly. Yeah. That, that, you know, moving around that, um, I, I had, a, I had initially, when we'd gotten back from the film, I had, I had initially said, uh, to my girlfriend who had asked how it was and she knew that I was not looking And you told to her it. it was great. I and said, she had to go I see it. Was, I said it was horrible. I said it was probably the worst film I've seen in a long time. And I just saw Independence Day. <laughs> I just reminded her of that. And, and I started to tell her a couple of things because she asked a couple of questions. And she said, well, wait a minute. Tell me, tell me why it's bad without – because she knows I love the original. She's like, divorce it from the original. And I, and I said, I can't. Because as a film, this is part of one of its problems is that it's so married to standing on the shoulders of what the original film did at the cost of its story. Like when you watch this Ghostbusters movie, I think, unless you are very young or very new to watching movies, Ghostbusters is such a touchstone, you know, pop culturally. But I think you have to understand everything that happened in 1984 to really get this film. You do. You have they take such lazy it, it, storytelling. It's, it's such a weird thing too. And I don't, you felt I, that I, way, I don't, I don't know right? that it's like, absolutely one of the negatives of the movie where I would say yes. And that's on the checklist of why I hate it. It made it on mine. It's uh, it's maybe on the checklist of why it's a bad, bad stupid right. thing. Right. But it's not, um, it's not like, I guess whatever the hierarchy is of, uh, things I hate about this movie. I don't know that it's act absolutely towards the top, but it is very it's true. Good. The the movie, even though what we should be having or what we think we're going into, especially since it's all new characters and we're right. starting from scratch, right? Right. Is that we've got like a total reboot, right? Right. Except that this movie is uh, demands that you know the first movie in a way that almost makes it like a sequel. It, it is. It, it's all it's these got, things. It's got and all it's, this stuff happening that it's not It's not doing any work with it mm-hmm. unless you're just going, oh, yeah, because I remember the first right, one. Right. To, to the extent that there are lines explicitly cribbed and said, um, which seems like such fan service, and I get what they want. They want to pay this great homage and have this great you know, arm in arm, wink, wink, nod, nod relationship with what it is clearly trying to. And I feel like it's like what you said. I actually see it more of a remake because the story is in essence, like still just swap out the guys and put the girls. Right. right. You know, scientists at Columbia and et cetera. But you can't have that with all the little nods to things that are ultimately very distracting for me. I didn't see these things as, you know, if you're watching an X-Men movie or any franchise film and you see some mutant in the background you're like oh right there's firestorm right you know you're like that's kind of cool i get that he's in the same universe he may not be in this movie but it's a nod to something that you would get here like from the very first you know scene well the first scene is actually kind of enjoyable and and i think we'll both agree that the movie was strangely fun for the first 15 to 20 minutes and then 
precipitously just horrible. Right. But it but it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't straight through those twenty minutes, right? You, right. The, there are parts of yeah, that right. twenty minutes you have to cut out. Yeah. But there was good stuff, and it's all related to the first house. Right. Uh, sure. The, for me, it's all that house. part of it. Yeah. But but anyway, what, well, what were you, you getting know, to? When, when you first see Kristen Wiig and she's at her prestigious Ivy League school and the dean comes in and talks to her about the tenure she's about to get and he leaves, we are shown the first kind of Easter egg, which is a bust of Egon Spengler in the in the hall. I don't know if you saw that. Actually. No. It's Harold Ramis. And right. when, when you walk out, you you know, when he walks out the door and he walks past and it's standing. It's standing oh, right that's, there, r- that's right. And that's, you're looking yeah. at it and you're like, okay. So it's in the same universe because he would only be honorary. He would only have that honor for being the guy that saved New York. Right. You know, and except that's, and that's that, the world. Except that then it turns out that that can't be true. That can't be true. <laughs> right. right. So, so it does these things even from the get-go, but it plays tongue-in-cheek. And, and it's hard to actually talk a bit about this. And we have two films to talk about, so the spoilers will come pretty quickly, I think. But there are some cameos that I know we're going to get to because we have Oh, to. sure. Yeah. But even as the story progresses, like when they start uh, getting together and the story is kind of clumsy and I feel like I'm patching great pieces of missing narrative together because I've seen the original. You know, right, I know right. these guys have to get together. These women have to get together. And these are the reasons why you introduce these proton packs. And there's no excitement to the definition of what it is or example of it. It's because it depends on you already having known that these are what they do and these are why they're here. Right. And, and it proceeds along to doing so many annoying things like trying to, I mean, these are very minor, but again, these are very easy things for this type of argument when they go to look for a place to have their business. And it turns out to be the same fire the station fire station. Right. And they go in to show the fire station as a big bit of fan service. But the joke there is to be built up that they can't afford the fire <laughs> that station. they don't, that they don't get. So they've got it, right. to go to like above a Chinese food store. Okay. Right. I, I get that. But really of all of those things, that might've been the most innocent of them because it's kind of, but cute. But it's but, a. It, it's also a good example, just because it leads into the Chinese food thing of uh, the things that right. somebody thinks is funny. are funny, right? And none of it is funny, right? And even to the extent that you know the the whole thing with the wonton soup, right? Mm-hmm. I feel, and I, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I feel like Melissa McCarthy did that and right. forced it onto the movie, right? And said, "This is There's, funny," and. And for the first couple of seconds that it that happens, right. it's kind it's of okay. funny. Right. Then it, it, it's like a total of 10 minutes of the movie. Exactly. I mean, because it, it keeps happening. It keeps coming back. Yeah. She keeps talking about it. Right. And, and I just feel like that humor, yeah. the, the fact that you think that that stuff is funny, right. is so exactly the same as all of Melissa McCarthy's movies that she's done right, so far right. by herself with her husband, like Tammy right. and uh, all, right. all that stuff. It's the same exact kind of humor. And I feel like what, what you end up happening, what you end up having here is uh, people like Melissa McCarthy and maybe Kristen Wiig to a certain extent, but especially obviously uh, Paul Feig. Right. Um, who, have this at this point kind of status of mm-hmm. what is funny right and they just go funny and you're going to do it right 
and right. and there's no there's there's no round table of people going well is that funny because who's going to tell Melissa McCarthy that what she says is funny is not right. funny so right. I guess that's in the movie now and you'll all be watching Wonton Soup forever right. right there's there's a there's an element there um, which is one of the reasons why I love South Park so much because they can put topical things in right away because it takes them no time to make a show but there's an element to the film which though I I. I actually did wind up appreciating it intellectually, but I hated it thematically where there's, there's that, which I think is a specific dig on. Thankfully that's as close as it comes to Melissa McCarthy having a fat joke or a joke about food. Right. Or I, I mean, certainly it's a joke about food and it's, in, you know, it's along the lines of eating all these things, but that's as close as it got, which I thought was rare. Yeah. Usually, that, usually that, she heavily. That's that in, over, in, a, you know? in a really weird way. That's the best part about this it, movie is that she's not trying to squeeze between any turnstiles. Right. Like it's right. It, it, she it, doesn't have trouble getting in the jumpsuit. It's, it's like, like her. No it's, it's like her and Kevin James. Right. In you know, like the last five movies, either one of them either. has been in. Pick one. It's, like, know, it's like all, all it is. And so we at least avoided that. So they, they do that. And then just another quick example, because we have so many to hit. <clears throat> excuse me, they, when they're talking about, uh, when they put the video footage of the ghost that they do see right. online, uh, there's a quick throwaway line where she says, don't look at the comments that, you know, the comments are just horrible, you know, this kind of thing. And I'm like, right. That's funny. Actually, yeah. that's it. That's all right. But in, in terms of, in terms of where I feel about the hierarchy of why I didn't like it, like what you just said perfectly, there's probably 10 minutes of wanton humor and I'm okay. Right. Humor. Now I'm doing the air quote thing for you. Especially because uh, it's the only entrance we have for the guy who's the delivery guy. Right. And we have to stare at him a lot, a lot. Cause he, because, because basically like just him being exasperated. Right. Is really funny. Right. And you know, like the first time it, it, it is, it, it is, is a little bit, right. It's you know, okay. I get it. Yeah. But then it just keeps happening and the, happening. This, this whole notion of wasting time, on things that aren't funny ultimately makes me feel like I'm actually watching a movie of outtakes. Right, you know, right. I'm not watching the movie they wanted to make because if this is the movie they wanted to make, they deserve the backlash. Like, not because they're women, but because this is stupid. But because they're not, and it's it, not funny. None of it's funny. And there's no story that they're telling except when they're relying on the on the genesis of a story. Everyone who's seen the film knows inherently. Right. So it just it's. It's one more brick in a huge wall that's obstructing me from enjoying the movie that shouldn't be that hard to do with technology. If you tell me you're going to make a new ghost, probably make a killer science fiction, you know, an FX film with what we have. Even the ghosts, not to pile on what is obvious, but the ghosts don't even look good. No. And the ghosts create different problems later. Like, I think we both said the same thing. There's a scene that only exists to serve fan service because we got to have the Stay Puff Marshmallow guy appear. Right. And he appears as a big possessed balloon, not a ghost, but there are ghostly balloons somewhere. Right. And, and you just, you have this really unfunny scene just to have this moment to show something that is from original film that should mean we take this seriously. And it only winds up undermining everything and distracting everything. And where's the real story here? Right. What are you, what are you guys doing but showing up, and ultimately my biggest gripe is that that's what I have. I have an obvious attempt from Sony to take a product off the shelves that they know has brand name marketing to it and try to get more money out of my wallet for toys, tie-ins, posters, catchphrases. But all the catchphrases that they come up with are from a movie that's you know 30 years old right. and has been done before. There's no originality. 
And the, didn't feel... the beauty of it for me, though, is that uh, they're actually going to sell less Ghostbuster stuff I know. than they were than before, they were before. Now. There's, So I, I feel good about there's, that. There's just like, as frustrating as it is, because I actually do think, I like, I like Kristen Wiig a lot. You yeah. know, I think that in the last few years, between um, between doing things like the secret, the Secret Life of the Teenage Girl, I'm butchering that title. Yes, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. The the Skeleton Twins, like her range in the last just five years has been amazing to watch. Right. And and I actually think on top of all that, she's funny. Yeah, and you know, and uh, also since you're uh, mentioning some other stuff that uh, um, that show, what is it like? Welcome to Me, I think. Yeah, uh, the one where That's she, it. the one where she's crazy yeah. and wins the lottery. Yeah, that movie was. Awesome. Is it a great? Yeah. So, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is bad acting, but not because they're women and can't act, but because everything they seem to do is unbelievable to me. And, and this is where, you know, Kate McKinnon comes in. She's channeling. She's so funny on Saturday Night Live. Right. She's really great. But this character, it's almost like someone just said, hey, imagine when Jim Carrey did the mask and nobody could tell him not to do anything. You do that. Right. Be Jim Carrey in the mask like 1994, except you're a Ghostbuster. Okay, go. But because she, but she, she, she had parts in the movie where uh, she actually, you know, came very close to making you to to being funny. fairly good, right. or right. to at least letting the movie have a couple of scenes that you could enjoy. Yeah, she didn't really get there no. because she couldn't. The script because let she's so you know, know shackled even absolutely. still. Yep. That uh, as much as she tries, um, like that scene that uh, you get in the trailer where it she oh, you know right. suddenly goes boo and she's like, is the hat too much? Right. Is it the, is it the wig the or the hat? The hat you know? yeah. That's actually if you just take like that ten seconds, right? Well, like completely out of the movie, you know, it's kind of funny. She she can deliver that sort of stuff really yes, well, absolutely. Right? But. It it still it can't get anywhere in the movie because and you're still you're you have to watch that right in the get, midst of right you know the horribleness to to her credit too I though not specifically I could see Bill Murray doing something like that in a Ghostbuster movie right be as Venkman because Venkman's this playful goofy guy, like right. he's not going to put a mop on his head but I could see him doing that to get a quick joke. And but you know that that was part of the problem since you know we haven't really ripped on the movie too much except for saying that it's just not funny, but all of the stuff that happens uh, in this movie, you know, like you were saying, where's the plot? And there's a plot to the movie. There, there is. There, there's a bad guy, and there's which is different already. Right. That, that there's kind of a bad guy. Right. But there is there's a bad guy. There's a story to why these things are happening. Um, it's you know, kind of a, a little goofy how it ties in, but also it's not actually that bad how it ties in because we see that uh, first haunted house at the beginning right. of the movie. That part's actually pretty good when we're watching uh, that stuff happen. Yeah. is fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but then it leads them back together and everything about them coming back together is kind of horrible. But one of the things that stands out about the characters, like you said, you know, um, you said you could see Bill Murray doing that. Yeah. But is she supposed to be Venkman? Because, you know, to a certain extent, really, Melissa McCarthy is supposed to be Venkman. Right. And who's playing who and are is anyone playing right. an actual character at all? That was the 
one of the right. real nails in the coffin for me of this movie is that no one's actually anyone. First of all, Melissa McCarthy's just playing Melissa McCarthy. Right. Melissa McCarthy at this point is basically uh, like Costello. Right. Like she just plays Costello in every yeah. movie she's in. Right. Yeah. She just plays Melissa McCarthy. Her the names of her movies might as well be you know like Melissa McCarthy meets the Wolfman or whatever. Right. I mean because she's she just plays that exact role. She doesn't really have a character anyway. Right. And everybody else is not. It's not that we're taking the characters exactly, even though we right. have like a scientist guy. You know, it's like right. Somebody involved in making this movie thinks that what it means to have those same characters is that one of them's a scientist. So we show one of them being a scientist. So now that's that character. Right. right? And they're like a mix of the characters too. Like even Kristen Wiig is supposed to be the brainy scientist person, but also, you know, she's goofy. She's the Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray version of. Right. But they're, they are all just this weird splicing of characters and they're all whatever character I think is kind of funny in this scene. Mm -hmm. Like the, the film is built. It's a little interesting to think about if you go back over the last three or four shows and all of the complaints that we had about bad movies and this movie just said, well, what if we just do all of those (laughs) in one one movie? Yeah, because this, you know, I feel like I've said this recently, but the movie has all these characters where what actually you have is, you know, that that whole uh, thing you were talking about with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, mm-hmm. somebody thought that was an interesting scene to film, right? Right. Somebody had this idea of let's, let's do this and that's how we'll do it. And the whole movie is just like spliced together. Right. Right. And they, then they try to build some comedy out of it. And then you say, well, it, but what characters do we have here now? Well, so she has to be like this now right. then, because that's right. what, that's what works in this scene. So yeah. it has nothing to do with her character or what would happen. Right. And even going into the beginning, it's just bizarre. Melissa McCarthy is a ghost is kind of a ghostbuster to begin with. Right. right. She's, she's doing this uh, with McKinnon. Right. Uh, at some you know, like the whole association of, of colleges could sue the movie for slander, you think, right, with, yeah. with what they uh, got going. But anyway, she's uh, she's running this thing, trying to continue the work that they did before when they wrote this book. And that's yeah. that's why they're coming back together now. But Melissa McCarthy, when she comes back, is just an an idiot. Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, she's lucky to not electrocute herself. With all the stuff in her right. office. Right. It's, so. it, it, it's like, uh, you know, Bluto, right. 20 years later, is uh, working at a thing, and now he's a – but he's still an idiot, right? right. And she's, she's just a goof and making stupid jokes and, uh, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden they see a ghost, and now we love each other again. Right. And it's like it, – it, it's making a weird statement to me for a movie that is so pissed about misogyny, right? It's making some very weird statements about how women work in its story for, for it to complain to me about being a misogynist. Right. Right. Well, you know, like what you're saying, as far as the characters go, it's hard to, it, for somebody to think, and again, it's just sloppy, it's sloppy in a way that they're an amalgamation of all these things that they feel was the hit of the first film. 
Right. You know, and in the first movie between uh, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, and Bill Murray, even before Ernie Hudson shows up, you've got the brain, you've got the mouthy guy, the funny, the guy that might be annoying if you weren't him. And, and I always thought that that was easy. Like as a, as a unit, it represents, you know, Egon is the brain and Ray is the heart. And Bill Murray is Venkman. He's the mouth. He's the right. one that's going to schmooze. And then eventually you get Ernie Hudson, who's like the hands and feet. And now you got a team. Right. Here, whatever the scene seems to feel like it needs, oh, wait, now you're going to be the brainy one right now. Like, be really smart. But right. over, it, overdo everything because it, you're also kind of crazy. It, it, it's like what happened. You know? It's like what happened is they, they're filming a scene, right? And they go, okay, this is what we need to happen in this scene for it to be funny, Right. right. And then they go, oh, well, so we need this character to act this way. And somebody said, that's not how that character acts. Right. And then you go, yeah, but the other character is already in this other place. Right. And we already shot that. And we need, so, we need this. So we've yeah. got that. So she yeah. can't suddenly be here. Right. So this character is like this now. Right. And, and that's how we'll do it for the rest you of know, the film. It, it, there's bad acting for me almost throughout. So much so, and you and I both noticed this at the same time, too, even times where Kristen Wiig isn't even in the scene and I'm not making fun of her. You know, you, you had commented like, it looks like she's looking off scene to like craft services. Like right, she's ready for right. lunch. And I noticed in this scene, she's just, she's on her mark and she's got her eyes open, but it doesn't look like she's in the movie. And that's again, not a, not a, I mean, I think, I think that happens to some extent later on too. They just, they look like they're just riffing and they're like, Oh wait, you guys, you guys are going to use that? You're going to use that take? Right. There there are parts in the movie, like I, I said this when we first walked out, there are parts in this movie that you're watching this movie and you can just see that they don't even think it's funny. Right. You can tell. You they're see it in they're, their giving, they're yeah. giving lines and going, uh, somebody thinks this is funny, I guess. <laughs> I get, I'm getting paid but a lot to read here, this. Here you go. Okay. Here's right. the line. You know, and they just are acting like they don't even think it's funny. This this sounds like it's the easiest hit list in the world, but the film I saw had horrible acting in it. It was heartlessly directed. Like it, it just had no inspiration to be anything other I don't, than a I don't cash know drag. if I I don't know if I'm that harsh on the acting either. I, <clears throat> we, we we have differing views on the acting. I thought the acting at, was at, so at, at well, some point. This I, I think listen, if if you're an actor now some of the actors definitely did not do great work sure i know, um, I know what you're going to say though like but right if you're told to do something right. bad and you do it is you're that great. is that bad acting no it's maybe not great acting it's not uh anything magical to write home about or something but if you are have agreed to do this movie mm-hmm. And some, and you've got Paul Feig going, do this and do it like this. Right. And then you do it and you do it like that. Is that bad acting? Here's, here's I, what I, I mean. I'm not sure that's bad acting. Specifically with, specifically with Kate McKinnon, but easily with like Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig to some extent, you, you're actually bigger than, you know, the project. Okay. You're not 19 and you're in Martin Scorsese's movie and you're going to do exactly what Marty wants then if you do something bad, that's on Marty. But in this, I feel like Paul Feig just showed up and said, we got four of the funniest women on the planet right now. And this is a hilarious movie. All we got to do is film you go. Their decisions that they made to play the characters the way they did. I don't feel is too much on Paul Feig. I feel that's them because they're bigger than that role allows. So the leash that, that they're on is enormous. I, I credit them with doing some things right, 
But overall, I thought the acting was bad. Yeah. Now, now, that also comes on the heels of saying that I think Paul Feig did a really bad job directing this thing. Right. And I think. And he, writing it. And he, with his partner, wrote an incredibly abysmal and lazy and unmotivated screenplay. Right. That, that took so much from other sources and expected me to fill in everything else. I didn't like the special effects. I right. wasn't wowed by anything that I saw. In fact, I was actually put off by what there I was, saw. There was nothing funny that happened especially, in the whole movie. Especially when they, right, it's, as a comedy, it's the most unfunny thing I've seen, and not because they're women, and, but because and it, it's written and, dumb. And, and like you said, with the writing and the directing, and basically you're the writer and director, and you co-wrote it with right. the person who co-wrote, co-wrote the heat or right. whatever, and and you're Paul Feig and you're in charge. You I mean, are. you you it, co-wrote it, but, but you're right. in charge. And you've got all this, and all this movie does almost from start to finish, except for the first part, right. which I still like. I still I, like that. I still kind of stand behind that thing because that's that's just a pretty fun scene. And not yeah. only that, not only is that a good scene, but that scene really actually I feel like had kind of the spirit of the first I movie. I was just going to say it going really replicated it, right? what it was going to do, and you and I both admitted after. And then all of a, that, and then all of a sudden it just like the whole movie ran screaming right. the other direction. Right. Right? I I almost looked over to you and went, "This might <laughs> right good. exactly. Like, this is actually good." So. But you've got uh, you've got him directing and writing and really being the power behind it, and almost every second of this movie is doing nothing but calling you stupid. Yeah. And this, I told this, you, this I finally whole, see what you mean. But this yeah. whole movie is just going, you're so stupid that you'll like this. Right. And, and as the creative force behind it, right, he is writing a script going, people are so stupid that this is the kind of stuff that they'll like right. and that, and they'll like it. And, and he's almost, apparently he's, I think just got, uh, he's got like kind of an M night, uh, this was the yeah, same I agree, totally. thing going on, right? Yeah. He did one thing that people really loved and still really loved. And he's instantly got like an insane ego about it. Right. And everything that he's done since yeah. has just been really like, um, you know, it's funny because I said it. it right. It's, it's not, you know who it, I am. I'm, it, it's not like yeah. he, you know, he says something he thinks is funny yeah. and, and then it's just, it's funny right. because he said it. It's right. not funny for any reason. The, if somebody doesn't laugh, then right. they're misogynist sure. or they're, they're, I have some other reason that, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, it's really weird. Even, even where sometimes a film like this can be saved in a good performance by an antagonist, the villain in this is one of the most forgettable getful uninteresting villains i mean this is just like an emo terrorist and just really i mean just i so i think bad. i think what it is i think that because like i said i'm trying to figure out the theory of comedy right the sense right. of comedy going on and i think ultimately now that i've thought about this movie for a little while that this is like melissa mccarthy and maybe paul feig kind of together yeah think that what was a really funny idea was let's have a villain who's like the anti-villain right Let, let's have the bad guy in something it will be hilarious mm-hmm. that the villain in something is like the biggest sheep mm-hmm. you know character who's ever existed right. and he will be the guy who's about to destroy the world right. and just that in itself will be hilarious. So everything that comes out of that will, 
you know, right. be funny right. by definition or right. something. It, it, it had no interesting characters. You know, even Andy Garcia, who I was happy to see finally on screen again in something, played a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of the politicians in the first movie. Right. And, right. you know, the obstructionism that, I mean, it's just. And it was, all the scenes with him, I thought, um, I think especially if you get the scene where they meet him, mm-hmm. right, and then put that with the scene in the restaurant, right? Right. Everything about those scenes, I think, is like a little microcosm of why the whole movie right. completely sucks. Because everything that he does, it's so like um, reading a graphic novel of those scenes by someone who's never read a graphic novel and doesn't understand why people like graphic right. novels. He's right. such a he's such a caricatured, nonsensical yeah. uh, person who just says lines. And and again, I think what's supposed to be what's supposed to be funny about that is exactly why it's awful and I hate it. Right. right? What's supposed to be funny is you know look how stupid and and ridiculous yeah. we can make him right. and we can compare that to real politicians and that will be fine. Right. Right. And it's you know I don't know. I, I just I also think there's no chemistry between anybody. You there, know there's not really and a lot. It just, no. I mean like. On and on. If it was just, if it was only one gripe, if if the story was great, the directing was great, the sound, the music, the special effects, I just didn't like the acting. It it would be, it would be easier to take. But you start adding every single thing that can go wrong with a movie. Everything, you know, you got a really, really, really bad movie right. here, and you there, don't understand what you need to do to elevate this. In there are even I'll tell you, scenes. The thing that you don't do to elevate it is sprinkle in cameos by every single person who was in the original film that doesn't elevate anything that's a that's a plot jarring like halt to what i'm even trying to do for the film right for its own benefit it's not that i'm waiting for the next one to come it's that they're all stupid well there, there was an element to what i had seen once the film ended i thought not even to be anti-misogynist in its in its debate but to just say like i I guess I'm doing all the heavy lifting if I suggest that this is an alternate reality where, because when Ernie, Ernie Hudson shows up and Ernie Hudson, now we're spoiling. If Ernie Hudson shows up and he's the uncle's, you know, if he's Leslie Jones uh, uncle who she gets the hearse from, who's their car. And, you know, he's a mortician. That's kind of funny where you start thinking like, okay, Bill Murray's like the skeptic. And in the first film, he wasn't. Right. Uh, Ernie Hudson was talking about dead bodies, like the dead coming back to life. You know, right. they're all kind of similarly, like all being these things that they would have been in another universe. But now I'm doing too much work to justify what you're just trying to do, which is fan service me into forgetting that the film sucks because, oh, Bill Murray and, and right. Dan Aykroyd are in it. And, and I just, you know, as much as it really sucked thinking this way, by the time she kept talking by the time Leslie Jones kept talking about her uncle, this and her uncle, that, and all these things. And I thought, Holy crap, did they just cast her to throw color in? Cause everybody's white in the screenplay, but did they only make her 
the black person so they could bring Ernie Hudson in as a cameo and tie this together. Because we wanted that I to happen. Can't, I, I want to believe that they're less insensitive than that. I don't think it was malicious, but I'll be damned if I can't justify that they're stupid enough to think that. I think they are. Yeah, who knows? I think they who really knows how did that. You, think there's that, no bar anymore for how stupid exactly, they might be. Right? So that's, you know, that's the problem is you start uh, thinking of stupid things and you want to go, they're not that stupid. But they've proven that, they kind that of, there's no yeah, bar, right? They could, they could be infinitely I can't dislike this film anymore. I, I just thought it was. I no, hate it. Every, I everything about it. it. Everything about it is uh, terrible. And like I said, everything about it is uh, is basically calling you stupid. Yeah. It's weird because um, there is the movie screams out all of its construction in a in such a bizarre way yeah. that that in itself is you know pulls you out of everything right. right because there's so much stuff that happens that you can just see the horrible ways that this came together and mm-hmm. came to be a movie and a lot of it you know like I said a lot of it is somebody has an idea for a scene and like I said I feel like I've I've said this in the last four or five months so often that it, you know it's starting to drive me crazy but somebody has an idea for a scene and they go i don't know get that scene in the movie somehow right. i'm not saying i know what the plot of the movie is right or the script or anything worse, yeah. but this is a funny idea i had <laughs> and it needs to be in there yeah and then you know it's like if it's not that then there's like there's a lot of this movie that there is this weird kind of making a movie at summer camp vibe to it where, uh, you know, like that scene and we see it in the trailer where, uh, Leslie Jones is smacking her, right. right. And, uh, smacks the demon out of her yeah. or whatever. And there's something about that scene where that scene is not funny at all. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Nothing about that scene really worked from Melissa McCarthy being possessed and being really bad at it. Yeah. Oh, and, man. and, uh, filming, you know, trying to catch the person at the window and right. the head spinning around and all that stuff. They, there's actually nothing funny about that uh, scene. Not for me. I didn't think anything right. was. I didn't think anything was good about that scene. But right, if I'm at film camp and I have to film that scene, right, and I have to be one of those people and I have to be Leslie Jones, that would be fun as hell, right, to do, right, right. I don't, I don't want anyone to watch it or think right. that it's good or whatever. Right. And yeah. there's so much of this movie that I swear that's all I can feel about what's happening in front of me is they think because they had fun filming that, right. That now it's good. That translates. Right. <laughs> that something is good about I, it or that something funny happened or yeah. that it's hilarious. It's uh, like, I swear, filming that scene, that whole scene could have been just a spontaneous thing that happened. Right. Where, uh, you know, it's like somebody's pranking somebody on the set or something. Or, uh, or you know, like Melissa McCarthy just all of a sudden goes, I'm possessed. And starts like walking around right. and Leslie Jones just runs with it. Right. right? And, they're, sure. and they're doing like they're improv, doing improv. Right. And they're bored and they do something. And, right. they, and then when it's over, they both can't stop laughing. Right. Because it's just hilarious. Right. Right. And then they go, put that in. Right. That's great. Let's use that. Right. And no one watched it from the other side. And when they watch it from the other side, all they remember is how funny it was making it. Right. It certainly has that feeling. There's like scene after scene in this movie where that's what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is they're just at camp making this movie and they're having tons of fun doing it. And at the end they go, that movie must be awesome. Right. And so everyone will love it. And it's hilarious. Yeah. 
anyway, and uh, and you're left to gouge your eyes out, and that's I, it. I just I, it, it's hard because. I actually think there's a lot of talented people working on that film. I just think that, you know, to get a paycheck, everybody, including the original cast, they got, they got a lot of money to show up and do this film. Right. And, you know, maybe they thought and they could some make it of them were literally on set for like five total minutes. Yeah. And absolutely. that includes parking the car. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and that's how much they're running. in the movie. You know, it, I hope what it does is I hope if anything, the lesson from Ghostbusters is that the next time they want to remake something and they are going to want to, because I think they just, I think it's the same company that keeps remaking like RoboCop, uh, you know, this, it just, it feels yeah. like these are all Sony films that they just keep like, Hey, we've had this on the shelf long enough. Let's right. see if anybody remembers. Yeah. You know, hopefully the next time it comes around, people are a little bit, you know, choosy in what they want to do. Although I know for a fact, sometimes people are like, you've said this. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was the, it was the Mike and Dave get wedding. You're like, who's going to turn down a trip to Hawaii right, for exactly. a month just to shoot the crap out of whatever we want to do all day. Right. Like it's hard to get people to say, right. no, it's, it's the same thing. Like you know, I was uh, saying, you know, somebody, somebody involved would sign up and said, but I'm going to drive some ATVs around. Right. And so I'm going to hang out in the so sun. Get that in the movie. Right. If, if somebody was going to pay us to go hang out and have a, <laughs> have a lot of fun at some theme park for a while, I might take it even if the show sucked. Right. You know, because you're going to hang out with your friends. Think a little bit better about maybe not everything is remakeable. Especially since you know? it's actually still not well received. Right. right. I mean, I yeah. think on Metacritic, and, the and last time I looked, it was about I 35. Thought, you, you, you remind me of Precious. The one that comes to mind in, in my past is always Save It and Private Ryan where I remember seeing it with a bunch of people who were very quiet about their dislike about the movie saying, I can't say anything about this movie because it's too, like it's too real. And if I say something, I'm unpatriotic. Right. Or, or like know, Schindler's list I, or right, something. You're just you like, know. if I thought this is boring, I'm a monster, right. you know? And, and in some way, the high reviews that people are giving this film, it's, it's like this perfect catch 22 situation where I know a lot of people who are giving this thing high ratings because they want more women and more films. And I understand that, but you don't use this as a vehicle to do right. it because it subverts your own argument. And I know people who are giving it such a hard rating, which I thought might be too harsh, but here we are looking at negative numbers <laughs> right. and I'm thinking there's nothing too harsh, but if you can come up with a logical reason why you didn't like it, instead of how dare they cap women, then, then your <laughs> negative rating doesn't right. hold any water for me. But um, it's a little misleading because right now this thing is at like 70 on, uh, uh, it's at 60, I think on like Metacritic. I didn't look at Rotten Tomatoes. Oh no. On Metacritic though, when I looked, it was like 38 or something. Was it really? I, it was really high when I looked and I just thought that's so terribly misleading because you have one side just trying to prop it up because they like the intention of what right. they're doing. And let's rate, you know, if we're going to rate good intentions, if we're rating good intentions, this film gets an F anyway, because the intention was grab a lot of money, right. off nothing original. We'll just take all the lines that were really great from the original film and right. make other characters and say them. You know, the, the that shit just the hurts me. The, the weird and horrible thing is that we haven't really that much talked about uh, this as a reboot of like right. a classic movie. Um, because you don't need to, because right. it, the comparison is irrelevant. This movie would have to be like four or five stars better than zero for you to even uh, uh, have it become a relevant right. conversation right. about what it does or doesn't do to the original. Yeah. Right. And, you know, uh, talking about intentions, you know, the weird thing for me is this is the most misogynist movie 
mm-hmm. I've seen in a really long time. This yeah. movie hates women. Right. And, and has uh, no positive thoughts about them and doesn't think they're worth making a good comedy movie. So uh, I, know, I know we're getting off. Send your this. emails to right. That's Mark Eastman at everything.com. Yeah. You know, when the last quick thing that when we're watching the film and the bad guy, since we're spoiling everything, the bad guy turns into the big bad thing that they oh, have. Oh, right, right, right. And he turns into the animated Ghostbuster symbol right. that is famous. You know, that's what they used for everything. And then he becomes like the literal, like kind of. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie Boogie version of that. Movie. Right, right. The moment he turns into a cartoon, and and I'm watching that, and I went, No, you didn't. You you really you're gonna go. Of course you did. Yeah. You dumb asses. Like because, I can't believe. And I thought I can't get any more irritated at the movie. But guess what? That irritated me because I'm like, What are you doing with Roger Rabbit? But but you know what? Now? You know what's funny about that for I me? I was just so annoyed. I I liked that part in a in a oh, in an odd an odd theory of liking okay. things, right? right? I liked that part because what was so great about that part for me was in the original movie, yeah. right? It's we're getting into this all scary, right. you know, thing. And then all of a sudden it's the state puff marshmallow man. Right. And that's awesome. Sure. It is. Right. <clears throat> that's actually like a really brilliant it's decision. Genius. Right. Yes. And here's a movie remaking that movie that doesn't understand why that was good at all and goes, well, we'll turn him into this big cartoon thing or whatever. And then that will be good because it was good in that other movie. And and they don't understand at all what made it, what made that an interesting part of the movie. Yeah. And then since we're spoiling everything, uh, I just have to say about the movie too, before we move on, that one of the real, I, I think, not serious nails in the coffin because the movie was already dead and buried by <laughs> this point, right? Done. So it it can't quite be something that really pushed me away from the movie. Yeah. But we have this whole like theory of what the bad guy's doing and why he's doing it, and yeah. he has and he has a plan, and right. he's releasing the ghosts and you know yada yada, right? Which I'm not sure makes any sense. Uh, as a plot that he Overall. that he uh, sets off these bomb things mm-hmm. when he doesn't need to. Right. It doesn't actually serve a purpose right. because he's got his final bomb thing. Always, he he could have yeah. just sat there by himself. No one would have ever known he was there and right. set off the giant bomb at the end. That right. th- there's no. They don't at least tell us somewhere in a script that part that got deleted. Maybe mm-hmm. they explain why he needed to do the first ones or whatever. Right. But in the movie we get, it doesn't make any sense. But then the plan is to release all these, release all these ghosts and they'll destroy everything. Yeah. And uh, you know, what a brilliant plan, except that then the movie turns out to basically make him practically omnipotent. Right. To get right. And then he actually didn't need to do that in the first place. All he needed to do was whatever magical way he comes back, which they don't explain at all. Why, why he gets, this connection to whatever and he suddenly gets to be omnipotent right but he doesn't need both right. but we had one scene where we want this to happen right. we have to have an explanation for a ghost coming out in the first place mm-hmm. so we make up this nonsense right but then in a later scene we want this to happen so wait he has superpowers now right. and it's just like whatever i feel like kind of works at the time yeah. whether as a whole that plot yeah 
makes any sense or not. I can't believe you made yeah. me watch anyway, that. I didn't make you watch it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Uh, really quickly. Star Trek Beyond. And this, I wonder if I got this right. I got your zero right. I guess this, great this is a movie. Uh, this is a movie that is also a little weird for us too because yeah. you hate Star Trek. I hate the uh, new Star uh, Trek. The new movie. The J.J. Abrams ones I'm are really awful. Yeah. I don't like them. Right. Um, so you're not but, as strong. But I'm yeah. a lot more lenient towards them yeah. uh, than you have been. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, when you give something one and I give it, you know, <laughs> four, that's you know, not like really it's super, not, it's super lenient or difference. whatever. Yeah. But yeah. And this movie uh, has some interesting things going uh, for it. So we have a different director. Um, yep. We're also kind of in a different space in a weird way in, the, fr- in, in the franchise. Oh, okay. We're in like, well, because we're not, we're not starting things. We're not, yep. we're not like booting the whole system again. Right. And we're, we've kind of moved on at this point to where basically this is an episode of the show. Right. Yeah, we're like, we're kind of like in episodic content territory yeah. now where we have our people yep. and now we just have something else to happen to them. Right. But it's, but it's right. the different, yep. it's that's, a that's different true. kind of <laughs> arena, which is kind of interesting because the first Star Trek movie started off there. Yeah. <laughs> it just started off as like an right. episode right. and and we had to you know get reacquainted with the characters in certain ways and you know yada yada yeah. but um but this one is different because we're not starting over we don't have to establish anything really we right. don't have to spend any time doing that and so we're just you know off to the races right. in an episode anyway um this one was a little tricky for me because I felt the episodicness of it when we were watching it a little bit too much. This one felt to me uh, like the story was um, somebody just said, here, make an episode of this. Mm -hmm. I know you don't really have any story you want to tell. You you don't have anything going on. It's like, it's like we ran it. It's like we're uh, in a, in a TV series where it's like the seventh season and people really start scratching their head. Right. Right. They're going, um, shit, what else can happen now? I don't know. And you, you give it to a writer and you go, look, man, write something, right. <laughs> Make an episode. It's it not like you're writing a screenplay and you have some story you're trying to get across. It's like you're writing a screenplay of a franchise because something else has to happen now because we have to make another movie in the franchise. And, right. and it was weird how much I felt that. Yeah. I really felt watching this movie, like we could have just trimmed it down to a, <laughs> to an episode of an hour long show. Right. And we'd have been fine. It would have, yeah. <laughs> there had been no yeah. thing. Anyway, but I did have a lot of fun with it and um, a lot of parts I had fun with anyway. And a lot of parts um, I really hated. So <laughs> But at the end of the day, uh, I was really pretty, pretty, pretty strong in my conviction that this was uh, four. Oh, I got that right. <laughs> I got that right. It was. Uh, I have to change it. It, it was really so strongly four. Yeah. Um, there were lots of stuff I didn't. Uh, there was lots of stuff I didn't like about it. There were lots of times where I was kind of okay with it, and I thought yeah. it was uh, fun. And uh, you know, one of the big things where. I, 
I think maybe I was just coming off of Ghostbusters and, <laughs> and that wasn't helping anything, but I really felt like I was just at the point where if this movie had been calling me stupid, uh, I'd have been, you know, way down to at least two, right? Because there was enough stuff that I didn't like about it. And the stuff that I did like about it or the stuff that was good and I had fun with it, it wasn't counterbalancing anything if I had some real serious hatred. So it would have gone down fast. Right. right. But in the end, it was like a four. It yeah. was a, it was a good time, but there was a lot of stuff I didn't like about it. In almost every way, I agree with everything you just said, especially the, the overall feeling of the film. I'm at three. I might even be as high as three and a half, but I, I wrote three because I felt that to me, it felt like the most, unengaging uh, i feel like we could make star trek puns all over the place yeah space, engage and all these things i just felt like it was the most distanced and unengaging um of the stories that could be told with this group of characters you know in the new star trek films i very much i, I tried to explain to you i can't even remember i was just looking up i can't even remember the star trek movie but it felt like the most passive of them not the least enjoyable of them but the most passive is when they went the when Picard and that group went to a planet where people just didn't age anymore and they made a whole movie out of this. Right. And I thought that's not a movie. That's an episode of the next generation. Right. And in so many ways, this just didn't have the accelerant um, to facilitate feeling like a major motion picture. This felt like yeah. a two hour film that might be on, you know, sci-fi for some reason they wanted to do that, or it felt like an episodic thing there were things about the film that I wound up kind of liking, even though I'm not wild about this version of these characters, but most of what I enjoyed often was the interpersonal stuff that happened between characters when they were on their various away missions. Yeah. There was, there was some decent because, stuff of characters just talking to each right, other. For the yeah. first time, you know, the last film just cribbed entirely in ways that drove me nuts from the Wrath of Khan. Like, don't, don't do these things. Yeah. Don't, don't steal from something else that's already out there. And then don't compound that by having characters say lines that were from other characters, but are the same line. Like that stuff drives me nuts. This yeah. was original. Like it actually said, look, this is where we've put the characters so far. And now we got to have a bad thing that they have to fight. But I also want these conflicts and these resolutions between them to come up. Let's do that. And I thought that stuff was actually really great. Every single thing that had anything to do with the adversary of the film, I found so terribly boring. And yeah. absolutely not interesting in any way or engaging to me outside of the fact that the lead bad guy, the lead alien is Idris Elba. And at times I was looking through the makeup to see like, where is his face? Right. Like how high is that head? Uh, there, and, there was, a, there was a lot of the movie too. That was, um, I think the writing of the screenplay was a little too interested in like the reveal at the end yeah, or like that it was a secret or something right. and it, so that it was like, well, we can't talk about anything yeah. before we get there. Right. And, and then, it, and, but then the end of that is that you didn't say anything didn't yet. Say, right. Anything. right. There, were, there were moments that even though I truly despise the personification of James Kirk in these films, I started seeing him human. You know, he was really becoming a character instead right. of a pastiche or a caricature of all these other things. Um, I started seeing like there were some weaknesses, and I mean this in a good way to like the character. Like he was he was proving himself 
you know, kind of faulted in ways that are good for growth of character. And I really like the dynamic between what was happening with Spock and even the ancillary stuff. Wasn't real wild about the stuff with Simon Pegg in it, but almost exclusively my big gripe in this is the writing. And strangely enough, like what you were describing to me before we even saw it, or I guess it was right after we saw it, that Simon Pegg is back to do more work on this. And I thought, strangely, the worst part of the film, well, maybe that's actually wrong. Yeah, J.J. Abrams gave an interview recently mm-hmm. where right. he is, where people are kind of talking about that a lot on the internet yeah. as uh, his only job right now is to try to keep yeah. Simon Pegg on the franchise. I thought yeah. the worst part of the story was actually, you know, the writing, which sounds a little redundant, but I'll be damned if the most annoying thing, and I told you this, is, you know, Lynn's crazy twerking of the camera lens, left oh, and God, right, yeah. and right and left, and, and spinning spin, it, all it, the it's time. All, it's always spinning counterclockwise, yeah. clockwise. It, it switches. It does. Right? It, it, it goes back and, and forth. forth. But it's always spinning and panning. Right. And it's most it, of the time it's doing both at the same time. What, but it's right. just always, you know, it's, one of those things where, you know, what's interesting actually is if you have a camera that never stops moving, not because you should film every movie like that, right. but because it is a thing that does something, right? Right. And there's lots of movies like um, The Long the Long Good Night yep. is um, a, a movie. That's a perpetual motion. Where the, it's, just, it's just that the camera never stops moving. Right. It doesn't move really fast. <laughs> Right. Or upside down. It doesn't, or, you know, yeah, it yeah, doesn't not make you woozy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is like uh, somebody seeing a line in a book on how to make film mm-hmm. and, you know, running the wrong direction with right, it or something right. and going, you know what, if you actually, you know, like there's a scene in uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie, I can't remember, but um, I can't remember which one it is uh, where the opening of the film is the guy getting the bomb out of the car, or putting the bomb in the oh, car. Yeah. Um, and there's like a, there's like oh, about, uh, there's like about six straight minutes yeah, um, of this where the camera never stops moving right. and it yeah. follows this guy all around yeah. and it's unnerving. Yeah. It, it's interesting to watch that scene just to go, how's that doing? How's that making me feel weird? Right. Just because that, whatever. And and this is an example of somebody taking that and going, well, but what if we turn it up to 11? Right? I got I to tell you, it, it made me miss J.J. Abrams' lens flare, you know, fetish. Right. I hate the lens flares, but this, strangely, and we saw this in 3D. We just saw it Friday night, and when when it's not happening, I actually think the film is kind of nice in 3D. The 3D is pretty cool would, for a I lot of not, it. I won't suggest anyone see it in 3D. No. to be honest, I've seen tons of films in 3D and without, I've seen the shaky cam stuff. I've seen, I, I was with a friend who couldn't watch Gladiator because the, the weird shaky cam stuff was giving him vertigo. Like it's right, really right. strange. I almost kind of got motion sick from, and it wasn't even motion sick, but that's the closest, you know, appointment I can give you. I just was getting like a headache. 3D twists there, there were times, like it, it was awful. There were weirdly two different things for me when you are, when you're rotating the lens and panning at the same time, right. which this movie does frequently, yeah. if you're looking at the wrong thing in 3D, you're, it becomes blurry. It does. It absolutely it, does. It's like, do you not real? Do you not look at this and right. realize that now you can't see? And the other thing is, there's sometimes in the movie where uh, it it rotates and zooms <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. And it it I swear it makes you want to look away. Right. 
It's I like agree. I just don't want to. I just I don't want to keep right looking now. at that anymore. There, right? You know, because it it will do it for a long time. It does. It just not keeps just doing thing. it. Yeah. There's there's enough instances of this happening that it became so distracting that I actually felt like penalizing the film for it, and I did. There wasn't a lot of of interest in what was happening for me. I actually sat through this film feeling off and on, but mostly on. I was bored. Yeah. You know, I just, I was like, God, pick this up. Like there's, I'll, I'll say this for the JJ Abrams films in, in opposition to this one, where I don't know that I was bored necessarily at any point. I just was uh, in disagreement with yeah. his choices, the choices, both aesthetically and, and narratively, I just found to be not the characters he was supposed to represent, but I was never bored. Right. This one, I, I wasn't falling asleep for it, but I was just there, kind of sitting there going, wait a minute, you got this great budget, you got this great sandbox, this huge universe, and this isn't inherently a bad thing, uh, a bad adversary, but what you're doing with him and, and right. them, it, it's not interesting to me. I and, don't care. And this, this movie, too, I, I totally agree with that. And the weird thing about it is I think if this was an hour-long episode of a new Star Trek show, right. it would be it, better. It would be better. It would have been because, better served. Yeah, I agree. Because you can't just sit there wasting time. Right. You can't right. just have a bunch of filler. If it's an hour long, then the people writing it have to go, look, we have to make it make sense. We, yeah. have, to make, we have to bring this all together faster. And this is a movie – that has like a 45 minute story that it has, you know, two hours to tell. Right. And so you're just, you're doing a lot of just staring at stuff for no real reason, or there's a bunch of filler that doesn't necessarily connect with anything, or you've got uh, people writing the movie and bringing it together who want to show off certain uh, effects or want to do certain stuff like that. So we have to look at it and you've got, uh, you've got this idea for a space battle, yeah. right? That where it's a, a billion tiny little ships versus a big ship. And right. somebody thinks it's really interesting to watch that happen in space. Right. And so uh, Idris Elba, he, who's the main villain, he's got this horde right. or whatever. Hive or whatever, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. got whatever where he's got all these soldiers who just each have their, you know, everyone on the enterprise has one ship instead of each being in a big giant ship. Right. Right. And they all have these little motorcycles that they all fly together and just run into everything and destroy it, which here's a movie. If there, I know there are a lot of people who complain about people complaining about the science and tech technical things of something. But here's a movie that, uh, you know, is just begging for it. Sure. And yeah. I almost oh, like built purposely for it, it, it seems like. Yeah. It's almost like the people writing the movie went, screw those people. I'm going to make some stuff that really makes no sense. Right. And so right. let them say you something, want something about to complain this. Right? About here. Yeah. And, and, but it leads to, you know, obviously such weird things. It's weird to try and think about how that could work. Right. Why that would work why nothing has any defense right to anything all. right well they tried the, they, the, like, oh, they we, go we they go to the big giant uh space station yeah which apparently is run by 
pacifist Starfleet yeah. because they have no defense nothing. for anything. Right. They're not ready for There's anything. nothing they could defend against. Even once, a solar wind would take them out. <laughs> right. They're not ready for a once, yeah. once you get Once you get inside, then right. they doubly have no defense <laughs> to anything, whatever. Yeah. I, anyway, yeah. but, but it leads to weird things because you need billions of these ships, and we're watching you have billions of these ships flying around up against, you know, and it's somebody just thought, here's an awesome picture. Right. Little Enterprise yeah. being dwarfed by the fact that there are billions of these things. Right. But you really have to have billions of those things. And you go down to the planet and see Idris Elba and see those ships. And all of a sudden, it's like camera one was broken. It looks like we're filming a low budget TV show when we look at those scenes. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's, it's, it's like jarring, yeah, right? Even the sets are like, uh, as he's walking around, it's like some weird, like 80s episode of Doctor Who, where yeah. you make stuff look futuristic by right. just attaching a tube to the wall, even though, yeah. and get oh, like God. a couple hundred of them and bring some guys in here and just stick tubes to the wall. Sure. And now it's science now fiction, it's right? That, right. And it's weird. It's, it's such an odd disconnect, mm-hmm. especially when earlier in the movie we were watching this giant space station and all the stuff we're supposed to be impressed with because the right. gravity of the of the sphere in space yeah. and the buildings pointing in different directions and all that. Right. Yeah. And we're supposed to think that looks really cool. And there's so much of it that is just so, you know, somebody wanted to film something and somebody involved in this movie said dude, that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. And, and they said, I don't care. Right. Look at it. Right. Look how pretty it is. Look, right. Let me turn it around. And like, like yeah. I said, when this, when this movie was, there's no way Idris Elba has that many people. Right. And if this was an hour long show, we would explain how he has that many people. Right. We would reference in, it in, in two some hour way, movie, never especially bring it up. Yeah. once we, once we get to the big reveal, then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, how does he have anyone? Right. How does he have any people that show would explain what's going on with him more. And this movie, oddly enough, doesn't have time to, even though it has way too much time to tell its story. It doesn't want to talk about that. It wants to show you shiny things and show action shots of uh, Captain Kirk riding his motorcycle motorcycle around. And so you end up with all this weird stuff. You know, there, there's no way he has that many people. There's no way that space station exists. There, I mean, yeah, there, the there's no such thing as that space station, right? right. If, if they took every planet the Federation of Planets has ever seen mm-hmm. or knows exists and put them through a meat grinder, right. they wouldn't have enough metal to, to, to that build thing. that thing. Yeah. There, there's yeah. no such thing. The thing is like uh, bigger than, you know, like a thousand suns. Right. I mean, the thing it's, is, huge. It, it's the biggest thing ever. Anyway, um, but there's so much time of this movie and we're uh, totally running out of time. Uh, so yeah. we'll get out of here in just a couple of minutes, but there's so much time spent on this movie and, you know, I don't hate the movie for it really. Um, but there's so much time spent on, I, I want somebody Captain Kirk demanded to ride a motorcycle or, right. you know, whatever there's right. uh, hey, here's an action idea I had. And, and whatever, but there's uh, there's a bunch of different people coming up with ideas, and then somebody sits there and goes, I have to make all these ideas fit into right. the one movie, that, and then that turns it into there not being enough time to really mm-hmm. deliver a story, right. to really get anything right. about this guy. And, you know, the whole 
the whole thing is so focused on it being a mystery. Right. That, and then we find out and yeah. then, waha, but we never get any, we ne- we never get enough stuff because it wants to hide everything. So mm-hmm. we don't get enough to really care about the reveal right. when it happens. Right. Like we're right. like, yeah, whatever. I it, mean, it rests an awful lot on the investment of characters that you've known from a billion you know, TV shows now and films, you know, right. in, in a lot of ways, this film wouldn't, wouldn't work at all. Even in the stuff that I like, if it was just the, the third film of a recent, you know, series, like it really means that I need to know about Kirk and Spock and Scotty and Uhura, like, and their relationships with each other to, to facilitate a lot of what's happening, but still I did think it was good, but I, I echo everything you said, you know, I, I won't actually echo it, but yeah, it just, it was, it was, strange this film and how it was strange for me is it was oddly disappointing for a film i had very dangerous expectations for because i don't like the films that they've been making right yet still i was curious about it because i thought it might be interesting to see someone other than jj abrams at the helm because i felt like a lot of the things that bothered me were specific to jj abrams and i found out this time i kind of missed jj abrams <laughs> right so i got what i wanted the, but it wasn't the positive the positives that you do get out of yeah. the jj abrams film they we're not out, there. Right. They still right. outweigh the negatives, but the negatives are still like he's put these people on a course of action. Like the character, I still don't wholly agree with in what they do, but I'm getting closer to it. And I'll be damned still also at the end where uh, they're having like their kind of celebration. And there are a lot of echoes of the people they're about to become. And like the Kirk that I see celebrating his birthday is that Kirk that I see later, which William Shatner would, Right. In a version again it's a different timeline and i understand these things but i see now that they are maturing in a way that is good for the story but the weird camera stuff the uninteresting characters the the not so interesting writing which kind of deflates me for the next one that's coming up because apparently the same crew writing it is maybe going to be involved i i just I just wasn't there and, for it. And I yeah. was ready to be because this was the one Star Trek movie <laughs> that you, I was ready to be there for because it didn't have J.J. Abrams there. Right. Um, and, you know, it. just the episodic nature of yeah. it uh, throws it all out of whack. This yeah. this movie for me is sort of like if what you were doing is going back through the original Star Trek episodes right. and looking at the stories of each one and going, uh, I can make a movie out of that one. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah one not, that one, not so much. Right. Uh, I can make a movie out of that one. Yeah. And somewhere you picked the wrong one. Yeah. (laughs) You picked a passive one that felt a little safer for whatever reason felt interesting to you. But real quick too, the two things about the film that were distracting ultimately didn't inherently become so much. So this whole big brouhaha about Sulu having a same sex partner was handled with such easy and deftness. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't complicated or obstructive. It was just, you know, there's his partner. Right. That's fine. I get Sulu. And it's know, like, if you blink, you'll miss it. George to too. Right. It's not a, and George has a, George has a hold in it, you know, on a stake for stuff with Sulu that I never will. Cause he played him for right. zillions of years. I respect it, but it's not a problem. And it's just kind of sad to see Anton Yelchin's last performance. Even yeah. though he passed away right after the film was done uh, or right, at, right, right before the film was released actually. Um, and he's really good in the film. Yeah, you know, he, he's he was a he was a fine actor. You yeah, know, he he didn't hurt the film at all. No, he and was he he, he he was he had a he, lot of stuff. That he's he, was doing. Been, he was good in a lot of other he was stuff good. too. And I thought watching him was kind of like that moment where you always watch, I don't know, The Crow, and you're like, man, Brandon Lee probably dies in this scene. You know, that's a harder one. Right. But watching this film and seeing him and going, 
man, that guy just died. That sucked. But it didn't. And that's a credit to his performance. He's really good as Chekhov. Yeah. You know, he really pushes that accent. But, yeah, he really but does. But I think he does it just to the point of being bearable and but hilarious. It, but, it's almost, but, but it's almost like, you know, it's the 20-whatever century version of oh, having yeah. it, right? The, I, I, you know, I noticed it. The, it accent, the accent has progressed, apparently, uh, over time. So, Which maybe doesn't actually make sense. But <laughs> uh, don't think about that too much. But before we uh, get out, I do want to say, because you were talking about Captain Kirk. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, I, I still don't, I don't love the characters uh, right. in, in the mo- in this movie. I don't, I don't love exactly what they're doing with yeah. the theories uh, necessarily. They're, maybe they're not bad, maybe whatever. I, right. I think frankly, in a very weird way, Carl Urban is my favorite. Uh, he's, he's become really great person for bones. doing yeah. Uh, yeah. a character in these movies. But as far as Captain Kirk goes, I think we've at least finally kind of maybe progressed to where we're not getting like an impersonation of Captain Kirk. Right. We're getting something more like in Looper. Yeah, I agree. You know, where you're not doing an impersonation of the future. You're trying to you're trying to do an impersonation of what who who it's going to be. Right. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. I think we're we've actually taken some steps. Yeah, uh, towards that. So, uh, so that's yeah. good, and maybe, maybe that will progress or whatever. Hopefully. I still don't like Spock, though. I don't know. I, I, I don't like. I don't I feel like, like Quinto's. I like what he's doing. I don't. I don't feel like he gets enough time. You know, I that, agree that's with what that. I think. Yeah. I think they they don't give you enough of Spock. They right. really just demand that you bring it all yourself. Yeah. And so all we have I to agree. do is like he doesn't really have to do anything. We can just look at him, and you'll go, oh yeah, Spock. Right. right. And he, right. he doesn't yeah. have to give you a character because right. the movie is trying too hard to force you into yeah. uh, I see that. doing all their work for him. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, so uh, not Jason, not a lot of fun no, this week. Man, what a rough week. And Jason Bourne, man. Maybe that's maybe that's it. It better be serious. Yeah. Uh, so we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks again for wasting all your time with us. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Please, please uh, share and subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. And otherwise, trick your friends into listening to us. Thanks. Bye. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.